Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. Uh, I am Ben today, as I was, as I was last week, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, you've been lo- sticking to that identity pretty close. I mean, I think uh, I, I'm, you know, very, very proud of you. I find that if we are working with the same people, they like me to pretend to be the same person each, like over time. You it guys helps, are cool. Yeah. It helps with a coffee maker and all that. Well, you know, guys, I don't have these, I'm not acclimated to this stuff the way you are. It's all still very much a learning experience for me. And I think the Ben thing is working for you very well. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Well, the other versions of me, there's a, uh, there's a Chris from Boston mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. doing pretty well. Matt, you know, Chris from Boston. Anyway, we're, we're getting, uh, we're diverging a little bit. As we always say, uh, most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, you are here and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Now, I had previously, we started this episode twice. The first time I said, once you go flat, you never go back. My name is Matt. And it continued the way we normally would. And you guys just looked at me so puzzled. Do you have any idea what I'm referring to there? I I did not catch that reference. (laughs) No. That was a tweet sent out by uh, B.O.B., 
Oh, ATL? Ah, yes, yes, yes. Something, uh, we've... He's in something of a rap battle with, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson mm-hmm. right now over the flat earth theory. Can you even call it a theory? Well, you know, he, oh, oh, opinion. His, the flat earth opinion, exactly. Yeah. He's promoting his new mixtape. And I mean, he did a great job of getting out, you know, people looking at him and his Twitter and talking about him on the news. So great job. Tequila, tequila who is apparently an entertainer, also did the same thing. I don't know, what is she a musician or what? what's her deal? I don't know what you would categorize. Uh, She's what you call a, a, a media figure, a public figure. Sure. Oh, okay, so just like famous but not actually doing anything. Sort of a Paris Hilton-esque Kardashian. Kardashian. Yeah. Okay. Although she did make a pretty sweet neo-Nazi rap record. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. What? Uh And she's a Holocaust denier. Yes. She's gone in, she's gone deep in the conspiracy, I don't know, space. Maybe we should have her and B.O.B. on the show. And she's, uh, she just started a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe to buy her new furniture for her apartment that she wants to move into. Even though apparently she's worth over a million dollars, but you know, everyone needs every little bit. Weird. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter. La- Final diversion, though. Speaking yeah. of the Flat Earth, you know, uh, we've had a lot of listeners write in and ask us to talk about the Flat Earth Society. Um, I bought an album over the weekend by uh, Thomas Dolby, who many people mainly know from uh, the uh, hit She Blinded Me With Science. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. he has a record called The Flat Earth that's really a great – it's a really cool album. But I was looking it up, and apparently he – uh, does somewhat ascribe to the flat earth theory as well, or at least he did in the, in the early 1980s. Uh, okay. Okay. Point of order. Uh, one of the things that we found, cause we did an older video on this, uh, right when we were starting out and it was, uh, it was not our best work. Uh, but one thing we did find is that there is a society of there, there are two, yes. there are two worlds for this. There's one group of people who really do believe that the earth is flat and they are a very small percentage of the flat earth people. There's another group that chose this as kind of a, a flagship example of their main thing. Their main thesis is that uh, through the power of rhetoric, you can argue anything. And ultimately it doesn't matter whether what you're arguing is true or not. So there, there are people who, there are people who like it ironically. Yeah. It's basically the onion or theories about the shape of the earth. So when people say a modern flat earth society, is that what they're talking about? Because I'm seeing a lot of that online, um, kind of differentiating like a more contemporary version of that than like maybe the people that actually really did believe it. Right. And there was less scientific information about it. I think we're at a point now where there is so much stuff on the internet Uh and people, I don't think really, a lot of people don't understand how to find a source you know, things that we talk about all the time, like finding a source and then sure. making sure that source is being talked about somewhere else and that it's legitimate. There's so much of that out there. I think there is a genuine maybe misunderstanding that's happening in a lot of people. That episode, I think it was this one, that episode had one of my one of my favorite endings because, you know, listeners, if you're familiar with our videos, uh, which you can watch on YouTube.com forward slash conspiracy stuff, uh, if you're familiar with those videos, there's a formula to them, right? So this had one of my favorite endings where I think the argument was essentially, do you know any astronauts? <laughs> Right, I think, I think that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, the stuff yeah. they don't want you to know. Video formula is sort of like the, the old tried and true rom com formula, you know. Oh, thank you, man. Just kidding. Really? <laughs> I never thought about it. <laughs> There's that a way. meet cute with the yeah. ideas, yeah, and then a dark night of the soul. Exactly. 
Yeah. So speaking of Dark Night of the Soul, we are entering into a uh, a, a very fascinating part of uh, U.S. culture this year. And whether you live in the U.S., whether you do not, whether you visited um, or you think it's just like New York, L.A., and then some cowboys, uh, you probably know that there's an election coming up. Yeah, I don't know how anyone could have missed it, even in other countries where, you know, there might be a small effect. The president of the United States might have a small effect in your country. You've probably been seeing this on the news. Or on the, the comedy shows. I mean, this, oh, has, yeah, been, this yeah. has been a pretty incredible year for comedy writers, <laughs> you know, late show hosts <laughs> and all of the above. I mean, you know, it's it's been pretty entertaining all around. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is that time again. So after four years of largely ignoring local elections, politics and uh, policies, uh, less than half of the U.S. voter population will get their collective crap together and uh, participate. <laughs> In the uh, presidential election, they'll actually vote. If statistics bear out, of course, these same people will return to uh, Internet activism, right? Uh, Clicktivist, I think is what they're called, and uh, talking trash on the Internet and refusing to vote in local elections or learn the names of their representatives until, of course, four years later. Is slacktivism a thing? I think it should be. Yeah, I think I think it is. I've heard it before, but I I don't know what it is. Seems like it'd be along the same lines Mm -hmm. as... Yeah. Oh, man. And so let's let's start with some other uh, I don't want to call them bummers, but just realities uh, on what did they call realities on the ground? Right. Isn't that what uh, military say? It's where the rubber meets the road. Oh, that's good, too. Uh, it's where the badger meets the bag. I don't know. I'm going to get increased where the bat meets the badger bag. It's true. Yeah. Matt, do you have one? Are you talking about beating a badger inside of a bag? It's just, it's just a metaphor, man. Yeah. I guess. I mean, it had to have been real for a metaphor to come about, right? Oh, I thought it was like a fly, like a fruit bat. Oh, okay. Okay. Would it make you feel better if it was a possum in the bag? No. They're weird looking. They're pink in their eyes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, moving on. No, no, we're getting to it. Okay, but I I do have to say, man, out of all the marsupials North America could get stuck with. No joke, right? Possum. What a, what a rip, you know? Moving on. So, uh, there, there are a couple of reasons that the U.S. has one of the lowest voter turnout rates in the developed world. And, And one of the big ones, of course, is that a lot of people are disillusioned, you know? Yeah, that's something we've talked about before on here. You just look at this giant system, how it all works. You try and figure out how it works, and you just start going, one vote, one person, I don't matter. None of this matters. So how do I get into the electoral college yeah. where actual votes occur? Uh, so, But there, there are other reasons, and some of these may seem strange to people who don't live in this country. For ex- example, if you have a felony, you cannot vote. Ever. Yeah. And we have a lot of felons in this country. Yeah. We also have the highest rate of incarceration. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to mention that a lot of these felons are designated as such for what many would consider pretty low level nonviolent offenses. Sure. Like mandatory sentencing, exactly. a three strike rule, uh, nonviolent crime like possession of a narcotic or something. And it does seem like we're moving away from some of those mandatory minimums. Like I know there was a big release of inmates recently because of some changes in those, but changes like that take years, decades to 
happen. And the fun thing is, whoever is holding the executive position might have a say in how that works out. Right. And here's another thing. This concept that felons should not be able to vote skews some very important policies in our country. Because if felons could vote, you know, of course, I'm not I'm not saying that all these people deserve to vote even, but if felons were allowed to vote, then we would probably see some substantive prison reform. And one of the reasons it's not happening is because the people who first experience this stuff firsthand often are legally banned from doing something worthwhile about it, which is a, a crying shame. That's what my uncle would say. He, he's not a felon. He just uses the phrase crying shame. He's just a felon. He's just a felon, not a felon. I'm going to tell him you said that. So, um, Another thing is it's not really a day off. There's not a national voting holiday. Yeah, in this country, you you just have to either do it before work or find a way to do it after work. But they give you a little sticker. Yeah, you get a sticker. Or, you know, there are a couple ways you can write in a vote, and right. depending on where you live it's inside the country. It's not super convenient, though. No, no. not necessarily. Uh, but if you can't get to the voting booth, like let's say you're elderly or you're unable to get to a voting booth, you can do other things like that. Not there, to mention folks that are, like, overseas um, serving, you know. Yes, right, absentee voting. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about this. Just to give you a look at the somewhat depressing situation uh, in the U.S. as far as voting goes. So for a country where more than half of the people are not going to show up to vote for who the president is, uh, we sure do have a bunch of opinions. And perhaps now more than ever, to steal a line from Fox, uh, perhaps now more than ever, we're seeing the mainstreaming and popularization of things that once upon a time would have been dismissed as conspiracy theories. And Noel, this is an idea that you came to us with. You were, you were the, um, the originator of, of this concept. What, sure. what inspired you? I don't know. It just, it just seems like this cycle in particular, I don't know if I'm just more engaged or paying more attention, but there's just so many of these little, you know, what some might consider off the wall ideas that when you dig in even just a little bit, there's more than a spark of truth there. You know, I mean, and some of these are not a stretch, at least in the terms of some of the theories and conspiracy, you know, ideas that we talk about, that they're very plausible. And I think it's just fascinating. Yeah. And on both yeah. sides of the aisle. Too, oh, yeah. You know? absolutely. And that's why I think it's particularly interesting this year. Yeah. From uh, Hillary Clinton's very sketchy uh, email business. Mm. I still don't know what that's about uh, to the 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 statements that Donald Trump makes where some people wonder, is is this all just a, a show, which we'll get to in a second. But uh first. Let's, let's, we're going to dive into a few of these that you may have seen in our video series where we have a quick recap. The first one might sound like a little bit of a snooze fest at the beginning, but we have to explain what these things are so that everyone knows what, what's rotten in Denmark about it, right? Yeah. So there are, there are a, uh, a couple of ways that debates are decided in the U.S. And a lot of this becomes more like a, um, a contract or agreement, rule of thumb rather than rule of law. Yeah, a huge legal document, essentially, is, yeah. is what how these things begin. So there are uh, two big parties in the U.S., uh, the Democrats and the Republicans, often presented as very different things. And sure, they disagree on 
some kind of stuff, but they're, it's like Pepsi and Coke. They're both still soda. And, uh, the, the, the thing that's strange about this is that these committees, the DNC and the RNC have an enormous amount of power and they also have power because people don't really pay attention to them that much. I mean, part of my brain shuts off and I'm like, Oh, here we go. Another alphabet soup of things that don't really matter. Just more people in ties. And both of those things are true. But also what's true is that the DNC and the RNC are the people who arrange uh, fundraising, uh, strategy. Every four years, they help write the policy platform. And for our purposes today, they set the debates for primary candidates, right? Yeah, they set rules for who can be in the debate, who is in the debate, where they stand. There's all these crazy things that end up getting worked out in this document, this contract that you spoke of, where the the candidates who eventually are actually involved in these debates sign off on and they make deals with where they get to stand. And I mean, it's all these crazy little things in the debate right. that when you're on television actually may make a difference. Well, and it's so funny too, because it's like obviously in the early stages of any election, we are talking pre nomination, you know, so this right. is all people just, you know, trying to get their party's nomination, you know, clawing their way to the top. And, um, in one of the early debates in the, uh, on the Republican side, you know, they have what's called the children's table, which is like a, a non televised or it is televised, but it doesn't get as much coverage and it sort of happens separately from the main debate. And it's almost like a slap in the face kind of like to be at the children's table. It means you're not. A serious candidate. So I think yeah. Carly Fiorino at the time was um, at the children's table. Okay. And then she got, you know, they let her sit at the big kids table after she started, you know, saying some inflammatory things on television. And got po- a little bit more. Yeah. Book. Her poll numbers have gone down, though, haven't they? They have since so. then. But all I'm saying is that yeah. is what it, it's based on. Mm-hmm. It's based on their profile there. You know, and is it polls like is this stuff in the document? I don't know. I actually this is the first I've heard of this uh, legally binding document that you're talking. Oh, about. yeah. Uh a lot of stuff is in there and they're pretty secretive about it because it's mm-hmm. not the kind of thing that you would want leaking to the public mm-hmm. in full. Uh, one thing that we do know that's very interesting is that they maintain exclusivity. So if you're Carly Figarino or you're, you know, whomever's running, Hillary Clinton, Marco Rubio, Donald Trump, whatever, when you sign up with these parties to do their debates, you also sign away exclusivity which means you cannot participate in anything outside or non-sanctioned by those people. Which leads us to today's first conspiracy theory. One of the biggest corruption conspiracies happening right now, or conspiracy theory, I should say, people are accusing the DNC of working for Hillary Clinton specifically and then swaying everything unfairly toward her, which is something we had talked about initially, right? Yeah, and I think one of the points of contention and and one of the things that might support this argument is they organized very few debates Mm -hmm. and waited until kind of the the final hour until now. I think they've done maybe three, Mm -hmm. and there was uh, some sort of town hall meeting the other night, which wasn't even the same as a a proper televised panel-type moderated debate. Um, And Many folks argue that the reason they did this is because they didn't want to give um, 
anybody a chance to shut down Hillary Clinton because she was largely considered to be, you know, the most dominant candidate. And then you have sort of a dark horse candidate like a, a Bernie Sanders that starts this really successful grassroots campaign and starts to really kind of inch up in the numbers. And, you know, many would argue that they shut him out in terms of actually having his day in court to, you know, go toe to toe with the dominant uh, Democratic candidate being Hillary Clinton. And as you know, Ben, um, the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, has pretty close knit ties to former Clinton administration and the Clinton family in general. Yeah, I would say they're pretty close knit. She was the co-chair, right, in 2008? Mm-hmm, of the, uh, cl- the presidential campaign for Hillary Clinton, the, the other one. Yeah, the one where the Hillary campaign and Hillary Clinton herself, I think, really believed they had it in the bag. And then another kind of uh, sleeper candidate at that point, who was Barack Obama, mm-hmm. kind of snuck up from behind and uh, overtook it and kind of became the people's candidate. You know, and that's sort of some might say what's happening with Bernie Sanders right now. And it's not clear what's going to actually come of it. But there are some interesting parallels. Right. Yes. There's this concern that uh because of her past with the Clinton campaign, that this chairwoman, Debbie uh, Wasserman Schultz, is not just swaying things with favoritism, but also bending the rules ethically because there were only six debates among Democratic candidates and the people who are supporters of Bernie Sanders, which is the only other Democratic candidate that I know know of. I know <laughs> well, I, the only there's other one, one other one. There's only yeah, three. But, in but I don't think he's I don't think the third one is serious. No, and I can't even remember his name. I'm sorry. I feel bad. Martin O'Malley, I want to say. I think you're right. Uh, so the, the thing is that people who are supporters of Bernie Sanders are arguing that Sanders is to them the people's candidate, whereas Clinton would be the establishment mm-hmm. candidate, right? The, the, um, the hand of the big banks. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Bernie, uh, Sanders to his supporters is like Larry David. Yeah, I guess, or at least in SNL's perspective. When I see him, it's like Larry David. Oh, it's true. <laughs> I think a lot of his supporters um cite the fact that, you know, he's been in politics for a long time and has done practically no flip flopping on his major, you know, um platforms, his major concerns. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, still kind of singing the same tune decades later. But so, but yeah. he's definitely I mean, these are all establishment Candidates, right? I mean, well, you're you in the system. I you mean, you can't get on that stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know can't. I mean? You can't hop a train, yeah. hitchhike to the debate, and then beg for change afterwards. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, uh, it goes into this other idea I have about uh, some laws we could change. So, this this concept, right? That there's the some sort of backroom manipulation of the people who would be the voter base of demo uh, of the Democratic candidate, whomever that ends up being. This I'm going to file, and I want everybody's opinion as we're doing this, I'm going to file this one under possible, trending toward plausible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I would agree. I mean, not, not just because it doesn't take some vast overarching thing for that to happen. I just know that in the uh, election cycle we're talking about where it was um, Clinton and um, Obama, there had been quite a few more debates at this point in this right. in the, in the um, cycle than there have been this did, time. This did we even get into the timing 
of the airing of these debates? Did we talk we, about we that? We mentioned it, but uh, do you have some specifics? No, um, no, it's just something Ben, you and I had talked about before. Where it's really crazy when when I was sitting down and wanting to watch mm-hmm. the debates because I was interested earlier early on in this. I've uh, I've since. I would say come to my senses just to realize that after I watched the first one, oh wait, we're just going to have the same conversation every time. At least that's the way it feels to me. I see. Um, but yeah, it not was, exactly prime time television. No, event. not at all. I think there was one of there was like a Saturday, Saturday evening. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't there's, make sense. Schedule on the weekends. They're not scheduled at prime time or golden hours. Whereas and, the Republican debates very much are. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. watch those, you know, just to kind of get both sides mm-hmm. out of interest. And they were super easy to find online, streaming, mm-hmm. you know, r- very much accessible. More plausible, uh, more, more plausible, uh, competition between the candidates as well on the Republican mm-hmm. side, uh, which leads us to a bigger one, uh, another conspiracy wheels within wheels, my friends. So Donald Trump going like gangbusters. You know, the so many uh would-be voters in the U.S. love Donald J., you know? They call him Trumpeters. No, they, they don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So will he be tri- Trump-fumphant? Triumphant? That, <laughs> Trump-fumphant? That, that pun is not going to work, guys. I'm sorry. I let you down. So he is, uh, like, let's talk a little bit about this. So in the beginning, Donald Trump was not taken seriously as a candidate for some of the following reasons. Had no legislative experience. If you want to hold the highest office in the country, it, it's cool if you have some sort of governmental experience beforehand, right? Yeah, at least basic knowledge of parliamentary procedure. Yeah. Or for Christ's sakes, be a city commissioner for like a week. Absolutely. Something. But, and, and one could argue, you know, to Trump's credit, that he's led a whole lot of business meetings and, um, you know, he definitely knows how to negotiate. And there's no doubt about that. Well, he's also definitely um, the people who were deriding him in the GOP establishment, the Grand Old Party establishment, are now having to bite their tongues uh, because this guy, this candidate struck a nerve with a lot of the American voters, you know, people who thought uh, people who thought, oh, this is a bunch of smoke and mirrors and I'm tired of seeing these bureaucrats pretend to, uh, you know, tiptoe around things. And then Trump, by being bombastic, uh, got this reputation amongst his supporters as someone who says what they mean or just, you know, doesn't try to throw some ribbons and glitter around what they actually want. You guys are both familiar with the, let's call him a media, conservative media figurehead Glenn Beck. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Is it me or is he chilled out a little bit? Because I saw him on TV the other day and he was being interviewed on CNN and he literally said, you know, I disagree with pretty much everything Bernie Sanders says, but I got to say, I really respect him for being able to come out and say, hey, I'm a socialist and this is what that means and not trying to like hide behind anything. And it was just, there was just so little venomous rhetoric in his like discourse in this interview. Mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed. But the reason I bring this up um, is the guy who was interviewing him, who, whose name escapes me. Basically they were talking about how, um, Beck thinks that Trump is a quote dangerous figure because he is kind of tapping into all this apathy and anger in the country and this kind of really dire, aggressive mood that's very pervasive right now with among certain voters. Mm -hmm. And um, he basically accused Beck of being complicit 
and th- this was sort of the chickens coming home to roost as like, you know, pundits and these like bombastic Rush Limbaugh type uh, figureheads mm-hmm. who have been spouting this kind of hate speech for for years. And now all of a sudden, this is what we've got. We've got a Donald Trump. Well, you know, Rush Limbaugh is not himself a Trump supporter. I'm just I'm saying the type. Oh, you know, I I'm see. Just, you know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, just in terms of like the pervasive attitude among consum- some of these super right wing conservative, uh, you know, talk show hosts and radio mm-hmm. hosts. It's just kind of this very doom and gloom. You know, the country's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, everything that liberals stand for is pure evil, that kind of thing, you know. Right. Yeah. So it it is true, though, that not everybody on the right is a fan of Donald Trump because some of the things that he believes in or that he has supported in the past or in the present are counter to some uh, more traditional values on, on that side of the fence. And then there are people who believe that he doesn't actually intend to win this election. No, he never intended to win. You know why? Why is that, Matt? Because he's a false flag. Donald Trump is a false flag attack. Did you guys know that? On whose behalf? At least this is the theory. On the Clintons' behalf. Wait, what? Yes, because Mm. Donald Trump has had a fairly, I wouldn't say cozy relationship with the Clintons, but he's made uh, fairly uh, sizable donations to the Clinton uh, Foundation, a couple other things, uh, a couple other things that the Clintons have been uh, a part of. He's also donated to campaigns before. He, I think Bill Clinton, he, he's quoted as saying Bill Clinton is his favorite president. Um, so I mean, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. The Trumpster is acting as a false flag attack on behalf of Hillary Clinton and her, um, her entourage. Let's to, say. To, uh, to, to her take, cabal. Yeah. So yeah. to deprive the Republican party of an electable candidate to splinter the Republican Party and divide it so that those votes go to, you know, three or four other candidates instead of one. It's a lot of candidates and they've just been struggling to to find their identity and to kind of have a cohesive, you know, idea about what it means to be a Republican. It seems like they've been struggling with that for a a long time. Well, you have to watch out with that because there Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people will probably disagree in our audience and they might not be thinking of the same vision either. Oh, you know no, what I, mean? a, I just mean there's so many different uh, visions floating around. Right. So many different yeah. things in the mix at this point, uh, and some of which can be contradictory and which happens on, on the left as well. Now here's a, here's my take on this. Okay. Trump doesn't strike me as being willing to be anyone's uh, puppet. Ah, but wait, no, there is a smoking gun here, at least allegedly. Sure, it's not a smoking hairpiece. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Uh, it's more like a smoking cellular phone. I don't know what would have been the big cell phone. I oh, guess you're not talking about the, the Clinton call. Yeah, it's a smoking uh, call log. Yes, <laughs> smoking call log. And uh, right before uh, Trump decided that he was going to be running, or I guess until he, not when he decided, right before he kind of threw his hat in. The race formally announced. Yes. Thank you, Ben. Sure. You don't mean threw his hairpiece in. Oh, okay. So right before Donald Trump decided that he was running and he made his escalator entrance and uh, gave a speech. Was that when he played keep on rocking in the free world and Neil Young got real mad? Did that uh, happen? It did happen. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know those yeah. things. All right. So before the formal announcement, yeah. 
in June. Yes, before the formal announcement in June, he had a private telephone conversation that is acknowledged by both the Clinton camp and the uh, Trump campaign. Uh, they acknowledge that they were on the phone for a little while. And, you know, again, it kind of at least I'm reading this uh, Washington Post article. It's talking yeah. about how, yeah, they were very cordial and uh, Trump's a big fan of Clinton. And they just mm. talked about the race and everything about possibly mm. running what Hillary was doing, but they didn't talk specifically about whether or not he should run and how she'd run, oh, he should I run and all of that. I bet. That's what they say. I'm sure the first thing he said was like, Bill C, my man. <laughs> what What's going on? Hey, uh. I get the sense that they're kind of bros. Yeah, I get the sense too. Well, you know, there are people who think that it's all a big party in Washington and everybody's friends and right. nobody's the really fat enemies. Cats in the belt line. Yeah. I, I think that, or the beltway rather, uh, I, I think that there are definitely people who are enemies of each other in Washington for sure. Just that, the egos alone. Is there more? Is that the, is that the smoking that's, gun? That's the gist. So what so, do you rate this one? Well, I, no, I saw they're actually, you know, not to say we're taking it what everyone says uh, at face value, mm. but I saw Clinton, um, Bill Clinton on, uh, one of the late shows. I think it was Colbert maybe. Uh-huh. And you know, he was asked about this phone call and man, I wish I could do a good Bill Clinton, but I just can't. So I'll just kind of do it in my own voice. You say, uh, you know, I don't really remember what we talked about. It was just kind of, you know, definitely, I definitely didn't tell him to run for president. And he said it and right. he had kind of a little guffaw and built in there. You know, I kind of, I bought it, you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I mean, maybe even, and maybe if he said it, maybe he said it as like a joke or maybe. Maybe it's another kind of semantic hair splitting thing. Like what are sexual relations? That's fair. You know, so maybe he's like, I didn't tell him to run for president. That could, that has so much, um, there's so much space in that definition, so much wiggle room. It's like he might have said, uh, you know, oh, I'm just looking at the, uh, hall, hall of presidents show that I was watching when you called. Uh, looks like there's a new one. Oop, gotta run. Coming up soon. <laughs> Could be anyone. Could even be you. Anyway, have a great night. So, so in that article, I'm just going to read yeah, this really fast okay. just so you get an understanding. It says, uh, four Trump allies and one Clinton associate. It's not naming anybody here, I guess, because it would be damaging to either camp. Sure, sure. Um, and one well, Clinton, you don't name names in Washington. <laughs> yes. So four Trump allies, one Clinton associate familiar with the exchange said that Clinton encouraged Trump's efforts to play a larger role in the Republican Party and offered his own views on the current political landscape. OK, so I mean that to me, that's interesting. It's almost like for me, if it is true, Clinton's playing a little head game. But it I don't know, maybe. Well, they would just be I, I can clearly see if people are friends outside of. Outside of the intense political competition, I can see them talking shop, essentially. Sure. But that's that's something that well, I, I think a lot of people forget. These people aren't necessarily all mortal enemies. You know what I mean? They're not throwing daggers at each other. Oh, no. It's much more of a gray area, yeah. kind of. You and know? it's kind of collegiate. Fairweather friends, maybe, you know? <laughs> Frenemies. But, yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, let's just say you and I were out having a, a drink or something like we okay. like we do from time to time. Sure. And you said, you know what, Noel? 
I really feel strongly about quitting this whole podcasting rigmarole and, and getting my astronaut's license. Yeah. And as your friend, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, you know, Ben, that, that sounds like maybe a bit of a stretch. I mean, you're sort of a little late in the game, you know, to start from scratch on that. Screw but you. I know. I would I know, say hypothetically. <laughs> but I know that you've always really been into space. And you know what, man? I really think that if you gave it your all, you could make it happen. Yeah, that's that's a kind of I could see that kind of collegiate conversation mm-hmm. people would have. And um you have inspired me and thank you. And I'm sorry that Am I, I saying Ben astronaut for me? No. I want you to be my space spy? No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Astronaut for me. But yeah, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good comparison and this behind the scenes. Oh wait, first what do you guys think? Possible, plausible, bunk? No, bunk. Bunk. I okay, la- this is my last bit okay. that I'm going to yeah. add to this. I think maybe Bill and Hillary are still a little bit on the rocks. I think Bill is actually like shooting at Hillary through Donald Trump. He's like, you're not going to win. I'm going to send Trump. No way. I'm no totally way. kidding. Okay. But, but <laughs> okay. So, um, this, all right. So we've got that one ranked as Noel. You think it's bunk? Yeah. And, uh, I, I would be very surprised were that the case. Um, I don't, I don't think it's plausible. Is it possible? I think it's fun it's, to sure, consider in it's a comic booky kind of way, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, but I think if it were, I don't, let me put it this way. I don't think that were Donald Trump to be elected, and of course as a current event, this could all change very soon, but I don't think that were he to get elected, he would go, psych, whoops, that got out of hand. <laughs> well, I, think, <laughs> I think he would take the vow and be president. I, I mean, I th- yeah, I think he would do it. I think he would do it begrudgingly. He'd be like, oh, no. I don't know, I man. did not mean to do this. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, think, I, think, I think, think he's in it to win it. it. I think yeah. he wants it. I think he genuinely – I don't – I think he genuinely wants to be president. To be fair, I think that's how every president is, right? Right as it's happening and the reality sets in, oh, no. Um, this is the last I'm going to say about it, uh, um, but I, I, I do think it's sort of like a conquest for him. I don't know that he's he really is all about like quote making America great again. I just think he wants to be able to say I am the president. I think so. You know? I, you know, without going like too much into the speculation, I, I think a lot of these candidates, uh, Republicans and Democrat alike, are still formulating their policies to see what Isn't plays. Isn't that how it always happens? And what yeah. actually happens. Yeah. yeah, lots what they of can focus groups. Do. Lots of focus groups. Why don't they ever ask us to be on those things? Huh? It's a great question. I would be in anyone's focus group, especially Ben Carson. Get at me, man. Team Ben's. Honestly, I, I feel I required the way, the way he folds his little hands. The, oh, uh, the Saturday Night Live character yeah. is, is probably actually is probably doing great <laughs> for publicity on that side. But okay, here here's the thing I want to talk about. So we have we have established that sometimes it's like wrestling. You know, these people may pretend to be enemies and may have uh, contradicting interests, but at the end of the day, when the crowd is gone and the lights go down, they walk to the same bar and have a drink together. You know what I mean? And they talk about, oh, I'm still, I'm going to send my kid to a college. And like, oh, yeah, I hear good things about that. Good things about that. And then a camera person comes in. They're like, I hate you and will eat your eyes. <laughs> and um, how much of it is an act and how much of it is real. And here's a big one. And I'm, my opinion, my personal opinion, which I do usually keep out of stuff, is going to come into play in this. So, theoretically, America 
It's a meritocracy. We talked about this in the video, right? What's a meritocracy, Ben? I am so glad you asked, Matt. A meritocracy means that people are um, put into positions or earn positions based on their talent, their ability, their skill. So the U.S. being theoretically, ideally, a meritocracy uh, proposes this amazing concept in comparison to a lot of other countries that regardless of the circumstances of your birth, Right. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your name, regardless of whatever, a a physical deformity or something. If you do the work, you get the cookie. Right. If you are the best, you will you will be able to earn a position, whether in society or in business or in government, that uh, reflects your capabilities. And that's reflective of the whole American dream ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you work hard every day of your life, you can have the good things in life. Again, theoretically, exactly. ideally. Exactly. And this is, this is amazing. It's easy to forget how amazing this is because now in, uh, now in the U.S. it's something that we're taught from birth and a lot of people in the Western world are taught something similar. But, Way back in the day, right before any of us were alive, uh, many nations were ruled by the opposite of meritocracy. They were ruled by monarchies. So one group of people through blood and conquest becomes a ruling family or a ruling clan. And then from that point on until they fall, their children are the people who run the country, regardless of how inept incompetent, and yes, I'll say it at times, inbred they might have been because the Habsburgs are an example of this stuff gone wrong. There uh, there was so much intermarriage that at the end, uh, the last of that line was mentally and physically unfit to do even the most basic labor, let alone run a country. Nations fall for stuff like this. So I have a question Right before, just a quick question, just to tease this. Is it still a democracy? Is, is it still a meritocracy when we're in a political situation where one of the candidates is the wife of a former president and one of her opponents is the son of a former president as well as the brother of a former president? What, this, how does this work out? If you look at abilities and merit alone statistically, it is implausible that these people would both be in the same families and be the great candidates for president. And we'll get to that right after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the, upon consultation with my producers and co-hosts, uh, I have to make a, an important clarification here. I am in no way implying that the Bushes, the Clintons, or the Kennedys, or the Roosevelts are inbred. I'd say that happened. They're well-bred. Monarchies. Yes, perhaps they're well-bred. And, uh, thank, thank you for, um, thank you for pointing that out, Noel. Hopefully we avoided some email. But the parallel is there. I mean, it's interesting because I think what you're getting at is that because of this, it's probably a combination of these, uh, physiological issues in addition to just nepotistic concerns where, you know, just because you're the son of uh, a duke, does that make you naturalistically duke-like? Do you automatically have the skills needed to duke? (laughs) Yes, and that's, you know, that's that's the point. Like, uh, we shouldn't have people duking or astronauting just because of, you know, the, just because of who their daddy was, right? Or who <laughs> their mother was or whatever the case may be. So look, we know, we knew when we got into this topic, folks, we knew that talking about political conspiracies would be, uh, controversial. And sure. so, and so we're doing, we're, we're working to present stuff from, either side of the aisle and present stuff that you may have heard, but wanted to hear more information about. With that being said, we do always try to clearly delineate when something is just our opinion. And this is my, this is my opinion. I think there should be a law. All right. Now I know you guys know that I have uh, some views about surveillance and big brother and big government kind of things, but 
that aside, there should be a law that says something along the lines of if you are related to a former president uh, or, or a current president, a senator or a Supreme Court justice, boom, too bad. You cannot hold any office similar in power and scope. So, like, you can't be Robert Kennedy. Right. And then also have your brother be the president. Uh, this this concentrates too much power in families. And I, I get I get it. Everybody wants their family to succeed, but it's not a meritocracy when one family is occupying so many positions of power. I mean, is that a law that interests you guys? Well, couldn't you argue that some of these folks do kind of work their way up, even though they are related to, say, a Kennedy? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good point. Uh, uh, yes. I, I want to play dev- devil's advocate both ways. So okay. I, I, I would agree that perhaps, you know, maybe a family is very good at politics and very good at making deals and this kind of stuff. There are Hollywood dynasties as well. Uh, sure. I mean, there sure. are dynasties in like every, every single industry at the top has some sort of dynasty that has occurred in it. And, and I wonder if, if that is even possible, if you have someone in your immediate family who already holds a position that's that high, if you're not being helped in some way by having those connections, right? It's who you know. Right. That that right. is the entire all of the United States. And even now, perhaps what the American dream has become is who do you know? <laughs> right. We're a tribalistic species. Sure. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, I've never gotten a job without networking. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've never gotten like a, a cold call back on a resume. It always had to, you know, had to do with knowing someone who knew someone who you had lunch with and, you know, had a couple drinks with and they suggested that you go out for an interview or something like that, you well, know? Wait, wait. Are you using your real name, like the real, the same name and identity each time? Of course. Well, that's, man, see, uh, that's what it is. Yep. You gotta, you gotta switch it up. Okay. Do you want me to make a, a like a character profile for you? Yeah, man, just slip, slip, slip it under my door in a dossier. Uh, what what voices are you comfortable with doing? I can do. You know, you know, I'm a man of many voices. Both of you guys are quite talented when it comes to voices. Oh shocks! So I, I'm well, just gonna point out here. Well, before we get back yeah, into yeah, this, yeah. Uh, I just discovered this. Actually, there is a list on HowStuffWorks.com of the top ten political dynasties. I was not even aware of this That's list. True. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know the Cuomos were a dynasty. Right, because when we're, for the purposes of this conversation so far, because it's been sticking with um, political conspiracies related to presidential elections, mm-hmm. we haven't been talking about city-level, you know, mm-hmm. city-level political dynasties, which definitely, you know, this stuff definitely occurs, but I think that law could be unenforceable. Honestly, yeah. there are too many gray areas, but I think it's important to acknowledge that. And it just irritates me when I hear people pretend that it's normal in what is theoretically a meritocracy to have these the same families of people pop up again. And I'm not necessarily criticizing those candidates themselves. You know what I mean? I'm not criticizing uh, Jeb Bush for who his family is. I'm not criticizing Hillary Clinton for who her family is. I'm criticizing a system that is inherently disingenuous. That is my opinion. Yeah. It it seems like it's way too easy to, when, when you know people just get in there, grease some hands if you have to and get in there. That's the way it feels. 
When we first started talking about this as being, you know, something we wanted to, to mention in this episode, I was sort of like a little incredulous about how it pertains to this particular cycle, because as many of you know, Jeb Bush has been kind of floundering, like he's not really picking up much steam and he's become a bit of a of a gag kind of in terms of just like him not really having much substantial to say and kind of waffling and just kind of coming off as not particularly polished. So, again, I would argue that dynasty or no, you still have to appeal to your constituency, to the voting public. You have to capture their imaginations in some way that apparently Jeb Bush is failing to do. And Ben, to to that, you replied, well, it's the game's still afoot. Yes, yeah, he could things. swoop yeah. in. He could swoop in like a guy who shows up to a bar five minutes before last call. Well, he's had a tremendous amount of money thrown at him by huge donors that Jeb Bush has where people really did believe that he would be able to get there because of the likely because of the dynasty thing. I mean, you know, they're like, Oh, he's a, he's a, that's the horse you want to bet on. That's a sure thing. Mm -hmm. He's a good pedigree and got that Bush pedigree. Right. Apparently, you know, a lot of, and Donald Trump, uh, is the one who kind of swooped in in this situation, mm-hmm. kind of made put a little egg on the face of some of these, you know, billionaires that were throwing their money at Bush. Right, because it, it definitely, again, it seems like the American voter, at least according to the poll numbers, are, they're more likely to vote for Donald Trump than they are to vote for Jeb Bush. Uh, and also, uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign has had has taken some heat from the kind of donors. That mm-hmm. campaign has, especially, I think, um, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Was one. Did you see how much she got paid per hour? Two hundred to do a talk. Grand. It was just like a speech, right? Two hundred grand. Yeah, two hundred grand an hour. And here we oh. are, only making a hundred grand per episode. Yeah, <laughs> it ain't right. right. It ain't yeah, right. right. It ain't natural. I want another plate of gold on my jet. So I, I was gonna say your jet's looking a little dull. It's looking a little lack lackluster. When you when you landed earlier, someone said, "Oh wow, what is that? A bronze jet?" And I was like, "You guys, shut up! That's gold." Because I have your back. It's so green. <laughs> uh, so you know the name of my jet. What's the name of your jet? It's the po- the Pony Boy. The Pony Boy. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Okay. Why is it called the Pony Boy? Because it stays gold. Oh God. All right. This idea then about political dynasties and the implication that rather than a meritocracy, uh, we are working within a rigged system does mean a lot to me. I, and I do think it's anomalous, but you, I think you are right, Noel, that people do still have to earn their way somehow. You cannot, this is not enough of a monarchy for someone to be completely incompetent and still be in a position of power. Yeah. To be like a hemophiliac with, you know, syphilis, Right, right. Just like a weird hump. Running, you know, roughshod over, Mm -hmm. you know, every everything. Making weird requests, like, all citizens of the land shall mail their left shoes to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like the, to me. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I picture, uh, American royalty. That's good. Uh, Uh. Um, anyhow, so, is it true then? Is it possible that what purports to be a meritocracy is instead a rigged system? That's a good question because mm-hmm. that brings us to a bigger question too. What about those debates? Not, not the primary debates, not the uh, Sanders and Clinton saying, I want to be president as a Democrat. And then Trump's and the Rubio's and the Cruz's saying, no, no, no. And I want to be president as a Republican. 
the debates, once they choose that person, let's say it's Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders or it's it's Marco Rubio and Hillary Clinton, whomever those two may be, then they have a debate. Uh, they, they have a debate that will be televised, one of the few political things that many Americans will watch. And it's the presidential debate. And, you know, let's say, let's, let's do this hypothetically. Uh, let's say, uh, okay, which one of you wants to, which one of you wants to be the example in this? Make an example of me. Okay. All right. So Noel, uh, Noel Brown, let's say that you are a dyed in the wool, true believer. You're a trumpeter. You're, you're a, a, a Trump enthusiast. Do, 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 do. Yeah, and you are, you're like, this is gonna be my president. He shoots straight, he talks, you know. He's he, a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter. That's what, that's what we're saying. Um, but then, he doesn't get the blessing of the GOP, so they say, no, Jeb Bush is our guy. Trust me, it's been decided. And then Trump says, whatever to you guys, I'm gonna run as an independent, right? And then you think, you know, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for him anyway. Yeah, I still got my trumpet. Right. You still have your trumpet. And uh, there are no returns on the trumpet. Also, uh-huh. also uh, this is the candidate who most likely or mo- uh, most closely represents your values. And so you think, OK, we'll, we'll do the independent thing. First thing that's going to happen is that someone else is going to come and give you a scare tactic. Matt, do you want to do the scare tactic? Hey, man. Don't even think about throwing your vote away on that trumper. Okay, you hear me? Because if you do that, man, the other guys, they're going to get exactly what they want because you're just splitting our vote in half. But I really like the cut of his jib. Well, you know, his jib ain't got nothing to do with this, all right? I'm talking about votes, I'm talking about bacon, and we need to get on with the show. (laughs) And then later at the Democratic uh, Party, it's like, those fools... Don't they understand that this really don't have their votes? <laughs> wow. Clearly the, clearly that was, uh, the count from Sesame Street as well as a very smarmy English guy who is somehow in charge of their campaign. Anyway, point being, yeah, point being that it's not in the best interest of these two parties, the Republicans and the Democrats to have an independent candidate, even if that independent candidate more accurately portrays the overall or embodies the overall desires of voters. And the Commission on Presidential Debates uses some pretty controversial stuff to uh to make sure that it's difficult for an independent party to ever get a representative at those federal level debates. Yeah, and really one of the only one of the most viable ways to be an independent running candidate in a presidential election in the U.S. is to have run or at least tried to get the nomination of either the Republican Party or the Democratic Party and then not being able to make it at least to the top of those rosters, but then also be popular enough that you have name recognition and your polling numbers when the Commission on Presidential Debates is looking at those numbers says, OK, you're you're good enough or popular enough to stand on the stage. Yeah, here's the here's the the nitty gritty of it. So the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, their rule is that if a party is going to appear in the debates, they have to have at least fifteen percent support 
uh, in at least five polls. The issue with that is that most folks are not taking polls, right? Most folks are instead just tuning in to whatever debate is already on television rather than hearing a bunch of, um, a bunch of people argue and try to impress themselves in the public enough to get on there. Yeah. And you've only really seen the primary debates, which are the Republican nominees and the Democratic nominees. Right. right. I mean, right. that's when people are making their choices. Yeah. But yeah. then, you know, we need an independent nominees. Uh, I don't know what, what it would be, but some kind of independent commission that has all the other people. I mean, I think these commissions are necessary evil. Someone has to organize these debates, but here's what stinks about here. Here's what's rotten in Denmark about the commission on presidential debates. So they have moderated a bunch of debates, but before they did that debates were moderated by a group called the league of women voters. Uh, they did the 1976, 1980 and 1984 debates, but then withdrew from the position as debate moderator, because get this quote, it said, the demands of the two campaign organizations would perpetrate a fraud on the American voter. And then after, after the League of Women voters pulled out because they said, well, you're not going to let us ask questions that voters actually want to hear, mm-hmm. then why are we having this farce, essentially? Uh, then the commission was taken over by the Democratic and Republican parties who formed the current thing. So there's no independent representation yeah. in that uh, commission either. It's the left hand and the right hand coming together to form the little clay pot that is the debate. So I guess you could say in the slightly augmented words of Mark Corrigan from one of my favorite TV shows, Peep Show, uh-huh. it's something of a macabre fraud charade. Oh, Whoa. well done. You're on fire today. That's pretty good. Hear that explosion in the distance, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that could have been the that could have been the sound of uh, Noel being on fire. It could also be the sound of the impression that the typical independent candidate makes on the American public. Or it could be the sound of an old diebold voting machine. Or it could exploding. be the sound of the men working on the chain gang. Mm-hmm. Or it could be the the sound of silence. But for our purposes, let's go to another conspiracy theory, which would be voter fraud. Right. Voting frauds. Uh, there are one thing that's strange about especially U.S. politics is that every single every single time someone wins the election, there's going to be a group of people. I don't care which election we're talking about. There's going to be a group of people who says something's not right here. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker 
retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I didn't. My guy didn't win. Yeah, my guy didn't win. What's up? What's going on? You know, clearly. I demand a recount. Yeah, I, dem- I demand a recount and you re-recount it until those numbers come out right. And then you really, really, really re-re-recount it. So maybe, maybe the easier way to fix this would be electronic voting machines. Oh, Ben, 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 Ben. Put it on the internet. <laughs> Do you know no. what a... Hive of scum and villainy the internet is. <laughs> no, Have you, you heard of hackers? <laughs> you put it on a card, a little plastic card that you insert, and then you vote, and then you take the card over to the table, right? Like a, like a punch clock? The biggest controversy is that they're super old right now. The technology is crazy old, and there are backdoors to the software that is ridiculously easy to access if you wanted to. At least back in 2006, that's when there was a YouTube video posted of a gentleman giving testimony, a software programmer, I believe his name is Clint Curtis. He was saying that uh, this representative in Florida, Tom Feeney, asked him to write this program, the program that would be used to uh, vote and count the votes. And then at, he, so yeah, he asked him to flip the vote uh, basically how he wanted to, to whom, with whomever they're voting for so that this person could win. So that they would be able to basically control the vote. And no matter who, what election it's, is happening, I can control what happens in the end. Is this sort of like a white hat hack or this was just sort of like a, a hypothetical, you know, it wasn't- this is the single testimony of one person in 2006 that I viewed and the internet found on YouTube. Um, but then so what there came of it in a weird little twist. This dude, Curtis, he apparently was trying to. Uh, run for this congressman's seat, uh, <laughs> in the election. 
which is kind of weird in 2006. So I don't know. There might be some weird shenanigans going on with this guy, Curtis, and trying to politicize something that maybe didn't happen to Ooh. win a, a seat. Who knows? Point being, though, it is known that these devices are outdated. Those voting machines were purchased immediately after the 2000 election because of the... The hanging chats. Yes, the, the just the debacle that was the 2000 election. I just want to interrupt. For the entire time I've heard that story, every time I hear the phrase hanging chat, I picture some guy in, like, a denim jacket with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth, and he's just, like, leaning against this brick wall. He's a hanging Chad. And, and, and you want to hang with Chad because Chad cool. is the coolest. He's cool, man. He's got a hyper-color shirt on. Uh-huh. You know, stonewashed <laughs> jeans. He's got those, uh, he's uh, got those sunglasses that aren't actually glasses. They just have those horizontal stripes. And he wears slits. them at night. Oh yeah. Anyway, well, uh, well, Chad, sorry. Uh, Chad, <laughs> Chad was the spark that caused these, uh, diebold machines to be created and then sent out around the country so and that people could vote on them. We're still using them today. We're still using them today and it would cost over a billion dollars to replace these old machines with something new. And even, again, as you said, these things are easily manipulated as they are as standalone machines. Now imagine if you've got interconnected machines on the internet and that's where you go and vote. Imagine all the things anonymous could do. Oh, I mean, it's the same reason that like control panels and systems for say nuclear power plants are very purposely kept off of the wider net. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're networked in and of themselves within Mm -hmm. a facility, but they are cut off, you know, and it's the same reason, you know, there's it's, we're at, we are at peak hacker right yes. now, you know. I, I think that's a good point, but that's not the only voter fraud argument. I'm just going to briefly mention something that you might not see that often in the news, but it will be back for a little bit when, the, as the elections kick into full swing. Uh, the idea that there's citizen voter frauds. There are people stuffing the ballot box, fake voting, right, that – uh I leave here and and use a different name and thereby vote twice. And this was some of the initial inspiration or publicly stated inspiration for the voter ID requirements. Oh, and wasn't that a whole to do mm-hmm. undo itself? And and apparently there have been very very few, if any, proven cases of citizen voter fraud. So apparently this was. Uh, this was a situation where the thing we were worried about turned out to be largely fictional. If we were actually worried about that, which is a whole nother bag of bats and badgers. But then there was argument that by instituting a requirement of having, you know, an ID that you were essentially disenfranchising a segment of the voting population. Right. Yeah. Well, also to me, it's just more, paperwork too. Like, but what was the argument there though? I mean, like, what could you, obviously you have to prove your identity. So you, they were saying you have to have a state issued identification card. You couldn't have like a passport or, you know, birth certificate or something like that. You specifically had to have. Right. So opponents of the opponents of voter ID acts, which exists, some form of it exists in about 33 states. Opponents say that these ID laws disproportionately impact uh, Latinos, Africans, Americans, people of color, uh, because they reduce turnout of, of these voting blocks. Uh, that's, that's what they said as far as the, the opponents go, or that, you know, 
11% of the population of voting age lacks uh, some kind of photo ID, which is strange to think about, but a lot of people, you know, do that. No, it is, but what's the alternative? I guess that's my, what, what, what could you present if this law was not in effect? Back before, what could you have presented, you know, as a stand-in for voter a voter registration ID? card? Got it. Mm-hmm. Got would, it. A piece of mail, maybe, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I'm just saying you obviously have to prove, you know, your address and that you were John Smith from this county. Right. Yes. Uh, so the, the, I get this, the idea of verifying that people are who they say they are. But we wanted to mention that because that is another case of alleged voting fraud. All right, let's end today's episode on one one last topic, and it's one that we were saving. You probably notice, folks, that we have not talked about the money behind so many of these elections, the, the shadowy billionaires moving stuff behind the scenes, and then, you know, kind of behind the scenes. Because if you are uh if you are a person on the left then one of the biggest financial resources you could run into is one George Soros S O R O S if you're on the other side of the aisle uh then one then the people you would be running for are the Koch brothers both of these people both of both sides of this have enormous amounts of uh money but also enormous amounts of influence yes Oh, and especially considering what happened with the Citizens United decision where now corporations are treated as humans and are allowed to contribute indefinite amounts of money it's to freedom campaigns of, of their choice. It's freedom of speech. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have these super PACs that um, basically are just endless, bottomless money pits for whatever, you know, the good kind of money pit, not the one that takes your money. It's just not a pit the Oak Island money it's pit. pit full of money. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like the Mc, George McDuck swimming around in a giant yeah, pool yeah, of coins, yeah. spitting them out. It's like that. Um, and that's relatively a, a relatively new development. So we're seeing some of the uh, effects of that this cycle as well. And here's a question. What if all our talk of conspiracy is for not? What if it's just interesting? What ifing that we're doing? What if our conversation here is moot because the president's already been chosen? You know, that's, that's something that's popular too, regardless of who's supposed to win. And you know, 538 is a website that does a pretty good job on predicting this kind of stuff. But continually we hear someone say, well, the real people, the real government, right? The, uh, the CIA and banking families and other private industries have already selected their person. And they said, well, doesn't matter what we're going to do. So we're going to have Bernie Sanders split the, like picture all these folks in a room, all the presidential candidates. And then somebody who is like, what's the most opulent, crazy, wealthy thing you could see somebody doing to enter a room? Lighting a cigar with, you know, a pile of, Hundred dollar bills, mm. while while sauntering in on a tiger, yeah, and uh, and then they whomever this because we don't know who these people would be, and the tiger is outfitted with a bidet. Yeah, the tiger comes with its own bidet. But the uh, the the thing they do if we're picturing this hypothetical moment, and so let's say let's say the whole gang's there: Rubio, Cruz, uh, Trump, Clinton, Sanders, whomever else you want to add, Ben Carson too, because still like. 
Ben's, uh, Ben's got to stick yeah. together. And yeah. those guys are essentially the extras. Like those guys are, mm-hmm. if we're talking about a performance, they're going to put on set dressing. Yeah. yeah. So this, yeah. So the, the shadowy figure groups of figures who are opulent and wealthy, uh, they, they say, okay, guys, here's the plan. Bernie, I want you to go in and be really, really left. And when you split up that democratic vote and he's like, you got a boss. He's like, Hillary. Love what you're doing. I want you to keep it up. You're not going to win this time, but maybe next year. And she's like, oh, nuts. <laughs> but okay, boss. And he's like, Trump, my man, you're out. You're going to retire. You're going to implode uh, very publicly. And he's like, yes, of course. And then, you know, he gives the instructions to the other ones. And there's one person left. And he said, Jeb's, Jeb Bush is going to be president. We decided that in like 2012. We had a meeting at Jekyll Island. Uh, played know, a little golf. Played a little golf. Had a little, some poached eggs. Mm-hmm. On days <laughs> yeah. on the side. The and voting machines are already pre, pre-prepared. They already preloaded the mm-hmm. software. Uh, is, is that possible? That's my question. Could somebody select a president? I'd, I'd like to think not. I know that there has been plenty of corruption in past elections in the U.S. and in many other countries. Uh, and it continues today, but I like to think that no one has enough control to sway that. And, and you know, when you see corruption in other countries, political corruption, it's usually really transparent. It's yeah. usually very unapologetic corruption, you know? Mm-hmm. I just don't see a shadowy cabal like this being able to keep it under wraps. Like, I mean, that's just, I guess, across the boards with some of these things for me. Well, that was the... uh Oh man, I forget who put it out, but several of our colleagues sent us an article that was discussing how long it would take for a massive conspiracy to be revealed. Four years. Yeah, roughly four years. Sometimes three, sometimes two. And it was based on a, um, I guess a statistical analysis. Yes. We'll share, we'll share that out. Uh, I don't know if that's completely true because it makes an enormous error, which is, Long-time listeners, as you know, this is something that really bugs me. When people take a very broad term like conspiracy theory and then say, oh, it's all the same. Yeah. So anyone who believes something that is not part of the mainstream narrative is somehow automatically a conspiracy theory theorist, right? The yeah. example we always use is like, oh, you think banks could somehow be involved in supporting drug cartels? That's a conspiracy theory. I bet you believe you're a half-snake reptile from Venus. You know what eh. I mean? Yeah, it's a way to discredit people. HSBC, son. Look and, it up. Yeah, and it's not even a clever way to do it. Nope. Unfortunately. Sorry. Let me end the rant here. Uh, what, what else do we need to, what else should we talk about before we walk out here? Yeah, there was one that I think we sort of skipped, um, that I, I think is a fun one. We were talking about the two different committees for the Republicans and the Democrats. Um, there was sort of, I guess, a, I guess you could call it kind of a short-lived scandal, uh, involving, uh, Bernie Sanders, um, having a, a staffer gain Unauthorized access, shall we say, to the uh, voting records um, of the Democratic National Committee oh, yeah, I heard that about are, that. you know, for all of the candidates. They maintain this database of supporters, members of the party, et cetera. I'm not sure exactly how far it goes, if it involves, uh, you know, people that are signing up to be a part of this database or how they're getting this information. Point being is they sort of hold the keys to the kingdom, the Democratic National Committee, when it comes to all this information, and they 
share it out with the various uh, candidates. But mm-hmm. the um, different databases are specific to individual candidates. So the staffer on the Bernie Sanders side stumbled upon, shall we say, some sort of backdoor, or it was actually revealed to have been a glitch of some sort that mm-hmm. gave him access to Hillary Clinton's information, Hillary Clinton's uh, database. And um, supposedly, allegedly, this individual downloaded some of these files. And, you know, it was found out on the Sanders side relatively quickly. That person was fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Democratic National Committee, it's not clear exactly what the chronology of this was, whether they were told by the Sanders campaign or whether they found out on their own. But at the end of the day, what happened was they um, punished the Sanders campaign, you know, across the board by cutting them off from their data. Hmm. And, you know, that's a big deal at that at, the, at that stage. This was maybe a month and a half, two months ago. Things were really heating up. You know, this grassroots campaign was really starting to gain some traction. And that information was the lifeblood of any, you know, ground floor grassroots campaign like what you know the Sanders folks are running and um it was you know largely Debbie Wasserman Schultz who we talked about had some really close Clinton ties that kind of came out and you know wagged the finger at Sanders and his folks and said you know you guys took this information it was not um right for you to do that you crossed the line and now we're shutting we're, we're cutting you off And so Sanders actually sued the Democratic National Committee and in this lawsuit um, kind of set it up as you guys have been trying to screw us left and right. You know, you're not um, having debates. You're not giving us a platform to speak. You have been doing everything in your power to shut us down. And this is the last straw. And they backed down and gave them back their access to the uh, the information. But there is a smoking gun. Sort of like that, uh, that Bill Clinton phone call with Trump. Um, the staffer, uh, that accessed, allegedly accessed these, uh, these records from, from the Clinton campaign was in fact pitched to the Sanders campaign by folks at the Democratic National Committee. Make of that what you will, but I would argue that that is something of a smoking gun. I don't, yeah, I, I see, I see where you're coming from. I, I don't know if it's smoky. It, I don't know if it's smoky enough for me. Hey, what, uh, what do you, what do you rate that one then? Does that change your opinion? Plausible. Plausible? Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you think? Yeah. They're trying to jam them up. They're trying to, <laughs> just, I mean, I'm not saying like it's, you know, the most nefarious trick in the book. I mean, it's not beyond the realm of just normal Washington riffraffery, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I, I do great. feel like it's plausible. I, I totally hear you. To jam up Bernie. I totally hear you. I just don't, you know, we I don't have enough, uh, hard information about any of these to really say absolutely plausible or not. That's why I love this show, guys. Well, so here's what, you know what, here's what I would like to see. Just once in an election, I would love to see two people kind of like elope from their party, like Hillary Clinton and, um, maybe Marco Rubio say like, well, guys, we were talking and we're actually going to run together as independents because we think this whole thing is a ridiculous waste of time. <gasps> it'd what be if- political suicide, but it'd be interesting. It's true. But can you imagine if Sanders and Trump both went independent and ran together? 
Oh my God. I mean, I don't, I'm, uh, and, what, and what if whenever they appeared in public, uh, it was like they would take turns sitting on each other's shoulder? Yeah. I think and so. then what would the songs be, man? Oh, the, songs, oh, the glorious the songs. The campaign songs. Um, you ain't seen nothing yet. That might be a good one. Or is that mm-hmm. too cliche? Oh, I was thinking they might be, might write an original song like those, uh, those Trump girls. Have you seen that clip on the internet? Uh, Sounds um, like they're singing like some kind of nationalistic, like North Korean, you know, fearless leader kind of song. Oh, I love that song. It's like President Trump, you are so awesome. You will crush the enemy's soul. It's like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, and it's I'm these gonna, little, little kids in American flag. Like uh, you're kind outfits. of exaggerating, but it's almost no, I'm, exactly. No, no, I'm not. I mean, I, it's I am exactly. a little bit. It's really, it's like. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. It's great. I want, I want, uh, to have a song like that. If there's a song like that about you guys or about me or about our show, I would play it all the time by myself. I think <laughs> it would be rude to make other people listen to it, but. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode, ladies and gentlemen. We have, I don't know, I think that's it for us for today, right? I think so. I, I was going to add one last thing in here, just because you may be a little down thinking about all this stuff and how, you know, how your vote doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, have, have fun with it. And if you are a little down, that's okay. We have, we have a remedy. It's a, it's a very small remedy, but we think it'll help. It's I, called the chickening. Uh, <laughs> Please, please stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing and watch this right now. Just type in the chickening. It's the only thing that'll come up. It'll, it'll make your day. I didn't, um, I did not anticipate that you would, you would choose that. It as, is a remedy as the light at the end. Oh, of the I had to surprised me on that one. Thank you. Bless you, sir. I was at the edge of my seat. I was thinking, what is he, what is he going to say? What's <laughs> happening? And, uh, yeah, also the chickening is weird. It made my day to see it. Uh, we hope you enjoy it too. If you are a Kubrick fan. Yeah. Wait, don't, don't tell him anything else about it. Okay. Just, just the chickening. All right. My lips are sealed. Uh, so he says as he continues to talk. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this. Uh, we hope you like this show and we hope you consider it in some way, uh, your show because our best ideas come from you. As we say at the end of every episode, if you want to, uh, do us a solid and get us a little bit further away from being fired, then check us out on Twitter and on Facebook. Like us, follow us. We're conspiracy stuff and we hang out there all the time. You can see stuff that doesn't necessarily make it to the air for one reason or another. You can check out every episode we've ever ever done at our website stuff they don't want you to know.com it's a long name it's a mouthful but it's where it's it's about the journey right it's a delicious mouthful so uh there's one other thing that you can do if you want to reach out to us yeah if you're not into the internet that much just a little bit you know you don't want to go on the social media but you want to you know send out some sort of missive our way you can write a good old-fashioned email which at the end of the day is a whole lot like a letter really i mean you're not really on the internet if you're writing email right and you can send that to conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 